again and welcome to the Nitty Rich Show and the 12th episode of the 2019 season. I'm Rich Scarcella of the Reading Eagle, your host. You can find this podcast at ReadingEagle.com and wherever podcasts are available. We welcome your feedback. Joining us on this week's episode are Corey Geiger of the Altoona Mirror and Donnie Collins of the Scranton Times Tribune. We're going to take a long look at last week's game in which Minnesota beat Penn State 31-26. And we'll also preview this week's game against Indiana at Beaver Stadium. First, we'll be joined by Corey Geiger of the Altoona Mirror. Corey, welcome to the show. Rich, how's everything going, buddy? It's going great. Fantastic. Hey, can you tell the listeners where they can find your work? Uh, usually the best place is altoonamirror.com, and I'm on uh, Twitter, at Corey Geiger. I like to keep my Twitter account. Uh, I have a lot of opinion on there, so uh, I, and I try, to, I try to correspond with people on Twitter. Sometimes it can be, and Rich, as I'm sure you know, sometimes people uh, can get under your skin or you, they want to they oh, have yeah. certain conversations, but Twitter can be fun that way. That is true. Uh, but, you, you know, unlike your um, managing editor, who, when I asked the same question about where can you find, where can the listeners find your work, you failed to mention to buy the print edition of the Altoona Mirror. That's right. <laughs> we are yeah. very proudly. Yes. Uh, your listeners may not care. To, we are very proudly a newspaper first. A that lot of media correct. entities are websites and all this stuff. We we are a newspaper. We're still trying. We still put, make sure yeah. our newspaper is our number one priority. Yeah, that that I, I just laughed when he said that last time, and I, that's why I brought it up. Uh, that would yeah. that would be Neil Rudell of the Altoona Mirror. Hey, Corey, um, there's a lot, and, and there was a lot to digest after Saturday's game, uh, Minnesota 31, Penn State 26. Um, let's start with this. I read your column. Uh, and and I can't agree more. Uh, Minnesota won the game. Penn State did not lose it. Penn, I thought Minnesota mm-hmm. played a, almost a flawless game. But other than that, what's your, your what is your biggest or your greatest takeaway from Saturday? Yeah, and I'm glad you mentioned that, Rich, because fans have a tendency to say this is what my team did wrong, and we lost the game. You know, I thought Minnesota came out with the perfect game plan. For Penn State, and what did that game plan entail, Rich? Throwing the ball. They threw the ball very well, and we've seen, even going back in the day with Tom Bradley's defenses, what's one common trait that Penn State's defense has generally given given you uh, as an offense? They'll give you cushion. They'll play off the receivers. They'll let you throw the ball, and you can move the ball down the field between the 20s. Now, Penn State's defenses have forever been fantastic mm-hmm. inside the red zone, but you can move the ball. They're vulnerable inside the 20s. Michigan threw the ball well against Penn State this year. Nate Stanley at 280 yards against yep. Penn State. I think P.J. Fleck and his coaches came up with the perfect game plan. They're known as a running team, but they came out and said, you know what we've got, Rich? we got a big old offensive line. We can protect our quarterback. So if we have him get rid of the ball quickly against this soft coverage that Penn State plays, this has been the recipe for disaster in a lot of games over the years Mm -hmm. for Penn State. USC and Mark Sanchez in the Rose Bowl. You remember that Case Keenum game against Houston? Teams that are competent 
throwing the ball. And we don't see a lot of them in the Big Ten. But teams that are competent throwing the ball typically have a way to, to get to Penn State. And I think we saw that on Saturday. Do you think that and, – and I, and I agree. I thought the Minnesota – before I get asked the question, the Minnesota game plan was on point. It was brilliant. Uh, I like the fact that they disguised the passing their, – their intention to pass when they brought in a sixth offensive lineman and they kept in a lot of guys for protection – um, whether it would be six, seven. There were times even they had eight men in protection. But what I was going to say is, do you think the uh, Minnesota success passing the ball against Penn State uh, was more about the defensive backs or the defensive scheme? Well, a couple things. And, again, this is key. Minnesota has a big offensive line mm-hmm. they can, that can nullify Penn State's you know, Absolutely. quick rush. Yep. And then they got rid of the ball quickly. Yep. So that's one part of it. But but quite frankly, Richie, I don't think Penn State's secondary is all that strong. Mm-hmm. What happens is we you know, Penn State will be a top five, top ten defense in the country and they'll brag about a lot of these statistics and everything. But they're playing a lot of the same kind of teams. They'll play teams that maybe don't have a great offensive line. So what can happen there? Their, their front seven get to the quarterback, mm-hmm. and that helps out the secondary in a great deal. I think if you put Penn State secondary on an island with a team that has pretty good receivers, to be honest with you, I think Penn State's going to lose that battle yeah. a and lot well, of times. Well, well, uh, was... So if they're not getting to the quarterback quickly, I don't – and look, I don't – I'm not trying to be mean to anybody here. You know, John Reed has had a really up-and-down career. John Reed has really struggled this year, Richie. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and when, when you have a senior like that that's making mistakes, and uh, I think Garrett Taylor it might have been, uh, or Castro Fields missed a key tackle on a long play. I just think, I think those guys are vulnerable if the defensive front is not getting to the quarterback. Yeah, I, I would agree with you on that. I mean, Penn State right now is 63rd in the country in pass defense. That's just yards. That's not efficiency. That's just yards. Uh, yeah, I would agree. I I thought, um, you know, I, I just don't think that – I think that's where they've been most vulnerable. And Minnesota, P.J. Fleck and his coaches figured it out. And and I, I thought it was a great game plan. You mentioned – I'm gonna before I get to some other things – you mentioned uh, Sean Clifford. Uh, I thought Clifford was shaky at best in the first half. I thought he settled down in the second half, played much better. Um, you know, I know, I don't know if this is related, but I know Jan Johnson after the game said he thought that we were tense in the first half. I don't know if he meant the defense. I don't know if he meant the offense. I don't know if he meant Clifford. What were your thoughts on Sean Clifford's play on Saturday? Yeah, he he just wasn't accurate early. We've seen this a couple of times with him early on in games, or he'll have either happy feet, or he'll kind of short arm some throws, or you know, a guy will be open on a bubble, you know, or on a roll rollout or something in the flat or a bubble screen, and and he'll just miss miss him. And I hate to bring up a name in the past, but some of the, some of his throws remind me of Christian Hackenberg throws where. The guy's right there, 15 yards, and Sean just, just flat misses it. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, he did settle down, and he made some good throws. Uh, and I, I think that Ricky Ronnie put Sean Clifford in a position to succeed for the most part. 
But at the same time, and this is all, I think all of this is in, in, intertwined. I just don't know that Penn State's receiving core. Take aside, take away KJ Hamler, who was mm-hmm. who was terrific. I don't know that the rest of the receiving core is something that is going to give a defense a major concern. Yeah, Pat, Pat Fryermuth is out there. Well, I was just going to say it. Yeah, Car- but you're, you're, not, you're, not, you're not including Fryermuth. You mean the wide receiver. Correct. Yeah. Just, just the wide receivers. Just right. the wide receivers. Okay. But last year they had all kinds of drops. This year, outside of K.J. Hamler, you're getting nothing from, from Justin Shorter, who was one of the elite recruits in the country. And John Dotson is a nice complimentary guy. But I just think that Sean Clifford, he doesn't have Allen Robinson. He doesn't have Chris Godwin. K.J. Hamler is a good college receiver. But when you're throwing fades to K.J. Hamler when you need scores, I just have a big problem with, with that whole concept. Yeah, I I think the the lack – I think Jahan Dotson is – you're right, is a nice complimentary receiver. Uh, they have – but they don't – have a second, a strong, very, very strong second wide receiver option after Hamler, and that's what this team needs, and that's what Doesn't Sean Clifford needs. You, Rick? Yeah, it does. It does because of the shorter thing, right? Because the shorter thing, yes, he had an injury earlier in the year, but the way he those, I mean, dropping a pass in the end zone, and he dropped another pass early in the game, and this kid. Was got chomping at the bit to try to get in the game because you know mm-hmm. and to get the ball thrown to him, and he gets the ball thrown to him and he drops it twice. I mean, I, you want you start to wonder. This kid was a five star recruit. I mean, it's it's and I don't want, we're not trying to kill him. I mean, he, he it's you know, but it's just surprising. Like we heard so much about him, and he hasn't really done much yet. Well, it's two years in a row too with all the drops last year. Yep. I'm no re- receiver expert on what's going on with development in a program, but Penn State has tremendous talent all over the field at, at almost every position and is a, to- a legitimate top ten program. It's just bizarre that they don't have legitimate receiver, a, a, a real strong receiving core. Typically you're not going to be a top ten team unless you've had a bu- several guys that are reliable – they they do it with KJ Hamler and then Pat Frymuth, who's probably the yeah. best tight end in the country. So yeah. they they're able to work around it. But I don't know that because you asked about Sean Clifford initially. Yeah, if he's going to take the step and everybody's going to take the step on offense, including Ricky Ronnie with his play calling, you've got to have the receivers come up bigger than they have. Yeah, I mean, you look at sixteen when you had Chris Godwin, Deshaun Hamilton, Saeed Blacknall who had a monstrous champ, Big Ten championship game. And then you also had Juwan Johnson, who had a really had – a, had a, as he was like the fourth or fifth receiver on that team. And then, you know, you look at last year with all the struggles that Juwan Johnson had, who's, who's now healthy at Oregon and playing well. Brandon Polk, now healthy er, and playing very well at James Madison. I mean, it just – it, it and you have a change. You had a change at the receiver coach, so it's not the same receiver coach. You just start to wonder. You and you're right though. That's what this team needs. It needs another receiver to step up and be a really strong complement to KJ Hamler. They do, and and because when the running game is going to be kind of hit and miss, um, you just add it all up and. 
I know Ricky Ronnie's going to get a lot of criticism um, from a lot of people, and, and quite frankly, including me. But you know, he's had some games this year where he's he's called really good games. And somebody pointed out to me on Twitter today that if you go back and watch the first half, Ricky called a lot of really good plays in the first half, and I, and I'll give him that. I thought he had a good game. He had a good game against Pitt. They only won seventeen to ten, but that's because Sean Clifford missed on four or five deep throws that, yeah. that were right there. So sometimes it's easy to criticize, you know, say Ricky Ronnie if the offense is struggling. But the guys have to make plays. They have to execute. Both Sean Clifford yeah. and Pat Fryermuth went to bat for Ricky after the game in Minnesota, and and that's that's certainly you know that you expect that right. You expect that he's their coach. Yeah. But at the same time, inside the ten yard line, and you're handing off to Devin yeah. Ford right up the middle twice. Yeah, as Sean Clifford sense. go right up the middle, and then you throw a fade. You're not winning a Big Ten championship yeah. with that kind of play calling. And, and that's where, Ricky, I think uh, the moment is too big for him at times when they really have to have come up with a huge play against a really good team. Yeah. I mean, that's that series early in the fourth quarter, to me, that's the one that left my head scratching. I think everybody else, too. I didn't, I didn't have as big a problem. You know, you look at, you look at the first half – the delay of game penalty was a killer, and then Clifford followed it up with a low pass to Fryermuth, who was open near the five-yard line. Would have been a first down. Who knows? Maybe he scores, maybe he doesn't. Um, I, we could debate all we want on the two-point conversion, whether it was the time to go for it or not. But the call, I thought, was a good call, but Ricky Slade took the wrong path. He should have gone inside because the two tight ends were blocking defenders to the outside, and he didn't. Mm-hmm. But you know, it's all it, it all is intertwined. But but you said um, you, while you you we're talking with Corey Geiger of the Altoona Mirror. You you said Ricky Ronnie right now is an average offensive coordinator. Um, he is only in his second year. We'll give him that. He do, and you're right. He does make some good calls, but the one the the series in the fourth quarter just. I don't even under I, I don't understand it, but you also pointed criticism at Brent Pry and Brent Pry has had a really good run here at Penn State, mm-hmm. and has but but Saturday, um, what do you think he could have done better against Minnesota's offense? Yeah, and it goes back to what we were talking about earlier. Uh, if you're not getting to the quarterback in their system with their offensive line, because look, Minnesota. Minnesota might not be a national power that everybody recognizes, but what's one thing that Minnesota Richie has always been able to do? They they can run the ball. They got big they got big horses up front on their offensive line. They've got good teams running the ball, and it, I don't know that Brent called enough either blitzes or or some stunts or whatever, finding ways to get to the quarterback quickly. Now Minnesota had a great game plan. They didn't have Tanner Morgan back there, you know, five seven step drops. He was getting rid of the ball very quickly. And he had the luxury of throwing to guys who were wide open. Wide open, yeah. Um, yeah. So maybe, maybe you try some bump and run. Maybe, maybe you let your athletes. You, you just get right up in their face, and uh, and and you have one on one coverage, and and you trust John Reed to, to make plays in the one on one coverage while you know while you blitz. Uh, it, you know, we're we're all armchair quarterbacking yeah. here, and I will agree with you that I think Brent Pry has done a phenomenal job. Yeah. Oh, for at sure. State. All of the numbers show that. But at the same time, when 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 a quarterback completes eighteen of twenty on you, and uh, and and 
most of those guys were just were wide open by 10 yards, you got to go back and watch a lot of film and see exactly what you could have done. Corey, uh, James Franklin said after the game Saturday that uh, he has uh, handled losses differently than he has in the past. Uh, he hasn't immediately after the game, he's been uh, quick to criticize and to point out things he said in the past, but he's not doing that now. Uh, the last two years, Penn State followed its first loss with a second loss, and now that's Ohio State and Michigan State. Um, guys talked about not letting one game uh, beat them twice. What do you expect Saturday uh, from Penn State as they play the 7-2 and two Indiana Hoosiers? Hey, good, good for Indiana, first of all. They're in a bowl game. They've had a nice, a nice season. They're in the AP Top 25. They can throw the ball, which they typically can. Uh, the one thing you're not going to get from Indiana is that tough physical style, which like Minnesota can do. So uh, I, Penn, Penn State's a two-touchdown favorite. I don't think this is a game where they're, they're going to lose like they, like they have and let that one loss beat them the second week. I think this is a good matchup for Penn State. But the offense is going to have to come out and put up some points. Because I do think Indiana is going to be able to score Mm -hmm. uh, maybe 20, maybe even 20 or or a little bit more. So the offense is going to have to come out and have a a good day. But when Penn State faces a team, like I said earlier, that's competent throwing the ball, we, we just don't see a lot of them in the Big Ten. And I'm always intrigued to see what the defense does. Now, again, against this opponent, I think they're going to be able to get more pressure, and and Brett Pry will probably call for some more blitz packages to to take that away. So I think Penn State gets through this week, uh, maybe a a relatively comfortable win, 10 points or more. But I will say this, with what I saw against Minnesota and even, quite frankly, what I saw against Michigan with them coming back, uh, Michigan drops the ball in the end zone that would have tied Mm -hmm. the game. I just don't see, I don't see any way that this Penn State team right now, what I've, from what I've seen, uh, stays close to Ohio State at all. I mean, I just think Ohio State has got it rolling on both sides of the ball. I know Chase Young will probably miss that game, but uh, I, I just, I just, I think Penn State was exposed in a lot of ways on Saturday, and I think Ohio State's probably going to be able to capitalize on that in a couple weeks. All right, Corey. We're back on the Nittany Rich Show, and we're now joined by Donnie Collins of the Scranton Times-Tribune. Donnie, welcome back to the show. Good to be here. Where can the listeners find your work? Um, on Twitter at Penn State ET, and you can go to the times-tribune.com and uh, just click on the Penn State tab under sports. Donnie, you wrote uh, about Minnesota's 31-26 win over Penn State, that the better team might have lost, but the team that played better clearly won. Can you expand on that, and what is your biggest takeaway from Saturday? Well, I think my, my biggest takeaway from Saturday is that I, I, I think Penn State finally got what it had coming to them in, in this sense. They hadn't put a complete game together, and they still haven't. Uh, Minnesota did. Now, you could play the way Penn State has played, which is be dynamic for a little while, be kind of so-so, make some silly mistakes, penalties at the wrong time, 
things like that, turnovers when you know, you know when you when you don't want to have them, which is which is never. I get that, but but you know, you know, Penn State could play that way when they're taking the lead, when they're when they're the team that's playing dynamic first. But when you're the team that is getting behind in the game, when you're when you when you're down a couple of touchdowns, it, it, it starts to become difficult when you know you have that those mistakes coming and, and, and those those offensive struggles and 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 they they, they just had them in this game with and, and, and I'll, I'll be honest with you I don't even think going back and looking at it again that this was Penn State's worst effort I, I think they were offensively a little more consistent than they had been certainly more dynamic than they had been against you know Iowa and and, and Michigan and, and, and teams like that but that said, play calling in the red zone. I think you can question a couple of moments there. I think you can question some execution. Certainly certainly the execution wasn't great inside the red zone from the from the offense. And it they, they, they couldn't come back. And that's a game like I, I think if they played five quarters, Penn State might win by two touchdowns. Wow. But they you know they they had a chance there at the end to, to win a game because they had more talent, because they had more speed. Not because they had a, a, a better performance. I, I think Minnesota played nearly flawlessly, and you know, I, 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 I know people aren't going to agree with this because you always want to be undefeated. You want to win every week, and I think a lot of fans just don't understand why you can't. But I, I think you need to when you're a young team with a with a really bright future, and I think Penn State is. You need to have a game like that. You need to lose a game like that to get where you need to go. In 2016, it was Pitt. You know. This game, I, I think, will help Penn State. But does it get them where they want to go this year? I don't know. We're talking with Donnie Collins from the Scranton Times-Tribune. Donnie, um, Tanner Morgan, Minnesota quarterback, goes 18 for 20 for 339 yards and three touchdowns. Um, he was He was very good. And, you know, you can't take anything away from him. But if you're looking at Penn State, were was his success was that more a product of the way the DBs played or how or the system in which they were playing? I think they got that one play that worked. I, I, you know, James at the end of the game kind of talked about you know they they, they had the the unbalanced look up front and when you see the unbalanced look with all those extra linemen out there the way Minnesota likes to run the ball. You have to just, you have to defend that. You have to honor it, and, and you're playing the run. And, and PJ Mustafer said after the game, look, a lot of those passes were on plays where the defensive line was playing the run. So they're they're getting no pressure on Morgan. So all he's doing is reading reading the edge and seeing should I just hand it off, or are they are they burying themselves in the backfield off the end? I just throw that 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 slant pass and. Look, the slant pass worked. They, they didn't. They didn't adjust to it. I, I don't. I don't know. Going back and looking at it, if it was something the defensive backs were doing, or they were incapable of defending it, or if they just didn't adjust fast enough, because they did a better job on it the second half by by a mile than they did in the first. It was just too late by that point. You know, but at, at some point, you can't just let them slant in front of you because. You, you, you let one guy have 200 yards and another guy have 100, and you're just getting burned play after play after play. Mm-hmm. And, and, I, I, and, and I will say this. I, I think it was, a, it was a brilliant, brilliant strategic point by P.J. Fleck and, and his, his staff to come up with that one play that might give Penn State some trouble, a different mm-hmm. look they hadn't seen on film. And it, 
it, it, it isolated what really is probably the weakness of this team, and it's it, it, it is those cornerbacks. And I, you know, I don't, I'm not so sure it's a it's a glaring weakness. Even I, I, I think they're just that's that's just the matchup that 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 Minnesota had. But there has been times this year where those two players, especially you know Reed, you know, and and, and Castro Fields have been the guys who've gotten burned for big plays. And and it was asked last week at the at the press conference, and and, and James kind of thought you know that they they played a little better than they've gotten credit for. But you know this time they, they didn't adjust to anything. It was it was almost as if they they weren't there on on, on on Saturday for a half, and it ended up costing Penn State until they adjusted. But you know, Reed's a senior player. Castro Field has played a lot. Those two guys have to make those adjustments and, and they recommend some adjustments to, to kind of get in there and, and, and slow that attack down. Well, you look at, and, and you're right, I agree with you, um, Kenny Pickett, who is not to be confused with Dan Marino, um, <laughs> hurt Penn State with his passing. Nate Stanley, who's not to be confused with Chuck Long, and if, if for those of you who don't know Chuck Long is ask your parents, um, he he hurt them with the pass, and so did Shea Patterson. So we, this trend has been going on almost all season, and Minnesota, as you said, PJ Fleck and his coaches developed a brilliant game plan. It it you know they gave the look that they were going to run the ball, and they threw it. And guys were wide open. I mean, especially, I mean, Cripe, I mean, um, Bateman and, and, and Johnson. I mean, they, they were, I mean, they're very good. But Penn State made them look like Jerry Rice. They did. And, and if, if you go back this year and, and look game by game at the stats and see, see the offensive players who've had big games against Penn State, they, they aren't the running backs. It's, it's you know, it, it, it's Taysir Mack from Pitt and, Brandon Smith and you know Smith Marset from uh, from Iowa and 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 the, and the you know I, I thought the you know Nico Collins and and and, and uh, Peoples Jones played pretty well yeah. for Michigan and and and, and the, you know Bell played well for Michigan and, and, and you go it's, it's the teams that have had no explosion at wide receiver have not done anything against Penn State but the teams that have some guys that can make those plays do and you, you don't see tight ends burning them this year like they've done in the past. No. You don't see running backs. I mean, it, I think the best running back performance, maybe that we, you know, we've seen all around, was the, the kid from Buffalo. But you know, I, receivers have beaten them pretty consistently, especially yeah. the bigger guys. Yeah. And, and, and I thought, I, I mean, I, I thought that was going. I didn't think it was going to be was going to beat Penn State. It ended up beating them. But I, I thought when I, when I broke down the matchups, you know, prior to the game, I thought that was a spot where they had a real edge, especially if Tanner Morgan played okay. He played nearly perfectly. Yeah. Donnie, let's shift to the offense. Um, you, you you touched on it in your opening uh, answer. Uh, Penn State, which has been very, very good in the red zone this year, six trips there on Saturday, two touchdowns. Um, they, they had five possessions in the second half, including a three and out. Uh, to open the second half, their last four possessions of the game were in the red zone, two touchdowns, two scoreless possessions. What do you think went wrong uh, going two, just two for six in the red zone? They, they, I think you have to be precise. 
when you're in the red zone. You, you have to you, you have to be able to, to, to number one get a good play call in quickly. Number two to be able to execute that call, you have to you have to throw an accurate pass. You have to get a lot of protection. You you have to you have to run a good route. And, and I don't think they're necessarily the strength of the Penn State offense. And and, and I'm not I'm not saying that to, to knock them because I, I I really like what Clifford's done, but he's not a super accurate passer. He's not. He's not. A, he's a guy who, who who tries to get the ball, make a quick read, and get the ball to a spot. And he and he sometimes gets the ball to the right spot. But you know, I, I, people get all right. The, the fade pass to Handler. I think that play was open. I, th- I think I think he makes a, a better throw. I and, and, and nobody likes the fade. If the if the fade doesn't work, the problem was he called the fade. Yeah. But I, I think he had Handler on that play. A, a better throw gets him. And and, and you you saw what what I, what I did. Mm-hmm. In the red zone, that, that's an area where you like to throw to Fryermuth, and they double covered him. They yeah. took him right away. So, yeah. so it's basically you're going to have to make a, a pretty good throw to Hamler, or you're not going to you're, you're not going to you're not going to score on a pass. And then they and they, here's another thing that nobody talked about, and and I think it really really affects the the, the red zone, the play calling inside the ten. They could have Noah Kane. If they yep. have Noah Kane, they might they, they might try to just pound the ball. Right. I, I don't think they had personnel to, to pound it. I, you know, Journey Brown had a great game, but I would rather see any of the running backs. And this is just made. And, and this is, yeah, I think, I think Ricky Ronnie called a better game than he got credit for. The play that really stood out to me was the one in the red zone where Clifford ran it on the designed run. And yeah. You can't have Clifford no. running the ball. No. Inside the five, it, it's just not going to work. I, I'd rather have Journey Brown carry the ball. Than any than than anybody else that they had running it on Saturday, but certainly I'd rather have Kane than, than Journey. Yeah, I I didn't still... have him. So I, I think they have. And here's the other thing, and I hate to sound like you know, yeah, one of those people. Yep. yep. It's not a physical offense. He he gives you a sense of physicality. You know, you're going to line up, and it, 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 you kind of got to finesse it and hit the hole if you're if you're if if you're Journey and and, and, and use your speed. Same with Devin Ford. It doesn't look like Ricky's going to get the ball very much anymore. But you know, Kane gives you the, 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 the physicality that, that, that you need inside mm-hmm. the five. If, he, if he's not there, you're just, you're just not a physical offense. You, yeah. you almost have to hit something of a, of a trick play. Right. I, I, my only qualms with um, Ricky Ronnie on Saturday was the uh, possession, as you mentioned, early in the fourth quarter, first and goal from the nine after – a nice pass to Fryermuth. Uh Devin Ford run, Devin Ford run, Sean Clifford run, and the three runs netted four yards. And then you're fourth and five, and you can't run the ball without no, in, you know, with whether it's Journey Brown or Devin Ford. And Minnesota, I watched the play. They dropped eight in the coverage. They knew, and they and and there aren't many options available. Like you're, like like we we talked about. We saw it. That on Saturday, Frymuth was double covered. Hamler was maybe the only option. Um, so, you know, I, I that's that's my only criticism of, of Ricky. I I, th- I thought he made some really good calls. The touchdown pass to Bowers was was a terrific call on first down from the ten, fake the handoff, and and Bowers was wide open. Um, I like the call. We could debate whether they should have gone for two or not, but I like the call on it. We hadn't seen that formation. I don't remember seeing it ever with 
with the three guys to the left side, two tight ends, and Ricky Slade. And if Ricky Slade takes the right path, he scores. Um, so yeah, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna. And here's the, Donnie. The other thing is, Penn State had 518 total yards. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's hard to kill the offensive coordinator. Um, you could criticize some of his plays, sure, but you know, I've heard re, you know ridiculous stuff like they can't win with him. He should be, you know, they should get rid of him. That kind of stuff. That's just nonsense. It, it's 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 so short sighted, and like I I, I go into. A, I said this earlier. Uh, you go into a game as, as a writer, and I, I try to remind myself of a couple of things in every sport. And what I try to remind myself in football is referees are going to miss calls. They're not going to see calls. The offensive coordinator is going to miss, going to have two or three calls a game that he really immediately wants back, and so is the defensive coordinator. That's the nature of the business. And, and I think it's probably fair to say, yeah, there's two or three play calls you, you want back if you're – if you're, if you're Ricky Ronnie, but that's every week. I mean, that's when they. That, and I'm sure there's two or three calls against Idaho he wants back. But I, I thought mostly that this that, that that this team played a you know that they called a great game. And, and, and look, I, the two point conversion, you can't go back and second guess it because it didn't work. I don't I don't think that's fair. I don't I don't think it's fair to say well if you if you went for one there and then. You know, the, you know, you can go for the field goal when it's you know, thirty-one twenty, on, on right? And goal from the right. five, right. and then then you got a chance at the two-point conversion on the journey touchdown. That assumes a lot of things, but here's what I know: first guessing, I thought you have to go for two there because you don't know how many more possessions they're going to get against mm-hmm. Minnesota. They, the, the way they run the ball, the way they milk the clock, you might not get two more possessions. You want to have some 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 breathing room there. You, 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 if, if one of them doesn't work, you want to be able to. Still, still stay within one when you have the, the next possession. So I, I, I don't. I, I, I think the two point conversion is getting killed for no reason. And if I'm James, and he's going to get asked about this tomorrow, yeah, I'm sure he is on Tuesday. We're, I, we're, we're I, recording I, this I, on I'm Monday, Tuesday. folks. Tuesday. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sorry about that. That's okay. But yeah, but I, I, I would defend that tooth and nail tomorrow or on Tuesday when he when he does his press conference or on. Yeah, Thursday or whatever day he meets with the the press. Now, the, all that said, here's how I would defend it: play's got to work. That play has to work. It, Ricky it had to work. Ricky yeah. Slade has to turn that in. Yep. Where, away from where his blocking is, and he's he's, he's got to score. He, he's got to find the end zone on that. It's, it's a it's a well designed play. It, it's not Ricky Ronnie's fault that that Ricky Slade ran the wrong way. And and I think you have a lot of those here where where fans are like, oh, that play didn't work, so it was a bad call. Yeah. A lot of fans and media. I'll be honest. A lot of people think that that you know, hey, hey, if the if the play didn't work, it was it was a lousy call, or if you know, I don't. Know, I just think there's there's play calls that shouldn't be made that work, and they don't get criticized. So why should you criticize a, a play call that didn't work? That was a good. It was a good play call. Yeah. And, and I think a lot of this stuff with, with Ronnie is because he's not Joe Moorhead. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, you might have a good point there, Donnie. Just quickly, what were your thoughts on the play of Sean Clifford, twenty-three for forty-three? Um, gosh, I forget the number. Three hundred forty yards, um, one touchdown pass, three interceptions. How do you think he played overall? Uh, uneven, but he's a first-year starting quarterback in a you know in a tough road game. Who's 
won every game he's played, and they forced him into some mistakes. Here's my problem with my only problem with Clifford in this game. I, I thought he played a gutsy game. Number one, I, coming back in the second half, he could have packed that in. He was he was he was not good in the first half. He was not accurate. Uh, the 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 touch the, the interception on the on the plate on, on the first drive. Shorter's open. You got to throw that ball into the end zone. You have to, or, or you have to throw it earlier and 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 lead him to the spot you got it to. But you can't just continually go ten yards short on those bombs, especially when you got guys open. Mm-hmm. All right. I, 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 you know, that's that's one thing I, I think he needs to work on, and, and, and I think he will. And, he, and that's an area where he can get better. But the, the only issue I really had with him is he kind of dared Winfield to pick him off twice. You know, you're going to a game that's maybe the best defensive back in the in the league. Yeah, he leads the league in interceptions. It's right there on the page. He's got five interceptions. He's a, he's playing center field basically, and just going and getting any. He's done it all year. That that that's not a yeah. You know, the, the, the offense with the with the with the skinny post off the off the RPO. I get it. They hadn't seen that on film. They won't get beat on that again. But you can't go into you can't go into a game knowing what Winfield does and then dare him to pick off two passes. Yeah. And the second and, and I get it. Hamler got interfered with, but I'm not so sure he's taking the ball away from Winfield anyway. Right, and, and that ball shouldn't be thrown. You're right. daring that man to pick that's a throw good off, and, and that's what he does best. Yeah, that's a really good point in that play. And we, you and I both, we we initially didn't think it was interference, but when we saw the replay, we thought it was. But you're right. I mean, even if there was no interference, or even you know, like Winfield, there's no. I don't know if Hamler catches that ball. No, I don't, I don't think he catches. I, I no. think the only thing it's interference on his ability to, to defend. To, be, to basically to prevent a, the interception, yeah, 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 yeah. and 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 yeah. I, you know, and, and throw at the end of the game, I, I, you know, I, I don't have a really problem with to Dotson. No, I don't know if that was, the, I don't know if that was really to Hamburg who was the KJ, but you know, it, it, I get it. He's throwing into the end zone. It's third and forever. Yeah, you, you need a touchdown. I get what he's doing. He's trying to let a receiver make a play there, and and Dotson was interfered with. But I, that in that interception, all right, but. You know, you don't. You, when when you don't get a chance to win that game, if Clifford isn't pretty good for the in the second half, and yeah. I, I thought he was really, he, he what he does that I really like is that he he goes through those spells where he's not very good, and he comes out of it in the same game. Yeah, it, does, it doesn't linger over into the next week. Like yeah. I, I'm not sitting here thinking, you know, Clifford had a had a really rough end to that game. I, I wonder if he's going to recover against Indiana. I, I know he will. Yeah. I know I know he'll be better, but. In, in that game, he he made a few throws that cost him. And I, I think I think the second interception, I still say, was, was yeah for, for Minnesota. That was the play of the game. That was that was when they won the game. Yeah, I, I that, yeah. and that's on and that's on Clifford. Well, like I think I said to you on Saturday, I think you know we and, and I know he I know Sean Clifford's tired of the comparisons with Trace McSorley, and I don't blame him. But Trace McSorley had a game like Saturday. At Pitt, when he threw that interception at the end of the game, um, you know we could say there was confusion because there were two guys in the end zone. But the fact is, from that game forward, that game in the well, the Michigan game was just a mismatch. But you saw the development of Trace McSorley, and Sean Clifford hadn't had a game like that, and he hadn't had a. Um, you know, Penn State has rarely been behind, and he almost brought them. 
well, he brought them to the brink of of a what would have been a you know an unbelievable comeback, and they would have robbed Minnesota had had they won. Um, you know, and I'm with you. I I, I think he's gonna he's gonna get better from that. I do. I I really do. Um, you know, James after the game Saturday said that he has treated uh, he this I guess beginning this year treated losses differently or tried to. Uh, you know, going to the lo- he went in the locker room Saturday and he didn't point out mistakes or criticize anybody, um, and said basically that he had done it in the past. The last two years, Penn State followed its first loss with a second loss. Now, granted, it was Ohio State, Michigan State. This is Minnesota. What do you, do you think? There's any chance of a second straight loss against Indiana this week? If, if you asked me this last week, I'd have said I, I think they're in trouble against Indiana. I, I don't know if I think that anymore. I mean, they have to be on high alert right now. And, mm-hmm. and the other thing is that, they, that they're going to think about and realize and probably be have it drilled into them. Their season is hardly over here. If they went out, they're still going to Indy. If they, they could still have a chance at the Big Ten Championship. So, so they know now, hey, look, we, we have to tighten it up. I, I think they will. I think uh, if Indiana had Penix, maybe it's a, it's a different story. But but I, I think that's certainly a, a dangerous team. That it, and, and they have some, some, some weapons that I think could give Penn State some, some problems. Uh, Stevie Scott was pretty good mm-hmm. last year for a little bit against them. And, you know, they, they have some good receivers. But I, I think this is a game Penn State can come out and, and, and play play very well in. And, and, and but, you know, coming back home, I, I think that will juice them up a little bit. And I, I really, I really, that that comparison to the pit game was great in, in every regard because because you know, McSwain that game played a lot like Clifford did did in this one. They got they fell behind early. He made a lot of mistakes. He had some fumble problems in that yep. game. Yep. And turned it around. And and I think it, it, another another sneaky comparison of that game is you remember uh, Hamilton dropped the pass that could have won the game at the end. Yes, I do. I remember that well. You got, you got Dotson. Who tripped up at the eleven? Yes. You know, maybe if he doesn't trip up, they score. So you, you have a lot of similarities with that game. I, 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 I think there's there's a, a potential to turn this around, and and I think they'll realize that. And, and the other thing that I've thought about a lot the last last couple of days, I'm not so sure it helps Ohio State to play Maryland and Rutgers heading into a game against a, a Penn State team that's desperate right now. Yeah. To, to to play well, I I, I, th- I think this is a, this is a critical game for Penn State to kind of get it together. Yeah. Go in there, play play really hard from the beginning. Play you know try to try to put together as complete a game as you can, and 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 then you, you get some confidence back. But but I you know I, I don't I don't think that this is going to be the second straight loss. I I that th- was interesting what Franklin said after the game because if you remember the the Michigan State game, mm-hmm. kind of talked about. There, were, there, there was a lot of distractions there in 17. Yep. They, he kind of talked about that, and they have to, to, to kind of criticize them for, for letting that get in the way. And then the Ohio State game, they had the, you know, we're not elite thing. And I think that's maybe more what he was talking about, was the was the we're not an elite team yet, and they are. Yeah, that's a good of, point. I didn't think they, of it. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. I didn't think of that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so, I, so I, 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 I think taking a little bit of softer tone with, with these guys this time, and and, and like and I'll keep I'll, I'll come back to this again. They're eight and one. It, this is not. You know, it, 
you go ask, go go back to August and ask Penn State fans and ask Franklin and ask Sean Clifford or anybody. Would you take eight and one going into the Indiana game with a chance to win out and go to the Big Ten championship game? Everyone's going to take it. There's not one person who's not going to take that scenario. So, so they're still kind of right where they want to be. They just happen to lose a game where they got. You know, they kind of got outsmarted for a little bit, and and, 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 and they had a, a less talented team played a perfect game for 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 about a you know three quarters there. So I I, I think there's a, a lot to be gained from last week, and I'll be very very surprised if they come out and play poorly against Indiana. Yeah, I I think I I think this is a very very important game for Penn State because beating Indiana, who happens to be ranked for the first time in 25 years, um. I think that will, you know, they'll they'll they're going to win if they win this week. They're going to win ten games. They're going to be ten and two because they'll, you know, they they have Rutgers in the season finale, um, and it could, you know, maybe it gives them momentum going in Ohio State where they they're going to be an underdog. Um, so I think this is going to be a re- this is a really important game, um, not only for this season but for kind of like the whole momentum of the program if you know what i mean um i, I do i i think i mean I, I, maybe i'm overstating it but I, I i really do hey donnie thanks a lot i appreciate your time that was donnie collins of the scranton times tribune donnie can you tell the listeners again where they can find your work sure it's penn state tt on twitter and the times hyphen tribune.com online go to the sports tab there's a there's a penn state link there and all the stuff goes right to that spot there somehow magically all right thanks donnie you can find this podcast on readingeagle.com and wherever podcasts are available we welcome your feedback you can find my content in the reading eagle and media news group publications in the philadelphia area and on readingeagle.com you can find links to my stories on twitter at nittany rich We'll return next week when we review the Penn State-Indiana game and look ahead to what could be, could be, the Big Ten East title game between Penn State and Ohio State. This has been the Nittany Rich Show. Thanks for listening.